Welcome to Books and Beyond with your host, Alison. Join us for half an hour of information, entertainment, reading recommendations and beyond. Brought to you by Auckland Libraries. I know this girl and she works in a library, yeah, standing there behind the... No my haremai kia ora and welcome to our Books and Beyond Literary Lounge with Alison and Inika. So kia ora Inika. Oh, morena Alison. Good to be here again in the lounge, isn't it? It's nice and cosy. So um, today's show, we're going to talk about what we've been reading because we're reading some fabulous items at the moment, we aren't are. we? We are. And then we'll um, talk about what's to come, what's on our to-be-read lists. So look, I've been raving about this one book and I've showed it to you already this morning so if I could could start absolutely please do I am fully immersed in this one and it's it's the um book it's just out it's called Aroha Maori Wisdom for a Contented Life Lived in Harmony with Our Planet by the wonderful Dr Hinemoa Elder Mm. and it's a new release it's available in hardback um and as an e-audio book that's actually narrated by Dr. Hinamoa herself. She has the most beautiful voice. Oh, I bet that sounds so, great. Yeah. yeah, I'd love to take a listen to that. And the book itself, uh, we were looking at it this morning, it's an object of beauty, isn't it? Um, quite a small hardback, um, small enough to carry with you in your bag. Yeah, it's basically purse-sized, it isn't is, it? It is, yes, but just a piece of beauty. So now, um, Hinamoa Elder is a well-known and really well-respected psychiatrist, author, speaker, gardener, mother, Instagrammer, you name it, she's she's it, isn't she? Mm. And she's so wise. Um, she's got huge mana in the community. And she was actually approached by the publisher Penguin UK and asked if she could write something inspirational and wise. And... Uh, Hell, we sure needed something like this in 2020. Yeah, they picked it all right. <laughs> they sure did, yeah. Maybe they had some intel. A little bit of a, yeah, something in the water. <laughs> yeah. Hey, so the book, um, it's divided into 52 whakatoki. And um, these are traditional uh, Maori life lessons or meditations. And the idea is that you use the book as a, a journey throughout the year and you meditate or on or you absorb or practice one whakatoki per week. Um, and so I'm on week two of the program. Oh, lovely. Oh, so you're starting early. Yeah, started, yeah. Yeah, started starting before the, the new you year. You need it right now. <laughs> yes, I, d- I did. I needed it. Today, yesterday. Yesterday. <laughs> so I'm on week two, but I've had a sneak peek at week three because I'm excited to know what I'll be doing next week. Mm. But I'll tell you about that in a minute. But um, so the 52 Fakatoki are divided into four sections. So there's four different types. So one's um, Manaki Tanga, and so that's care, respect, and, and kindness towards ourselves and others. And then you've got Kaitiaki Tanga, which is love and care for our world or our planet. And um, Fanona Tanga, that's the connection between people and the empathy that we have with each other. And then um, Tino Nanga Tera Tanga, which is the pursuit of what is right, basically. Um, so the, it's just beautiful. And those concepts will be familiar mm. to, to many of our listeners. 
So the first one that I that I meditated on last week, um, it translates into banish your fears or else feel the fear and do it anyway. Oh, that's a good one. And I learnt that the um, the real version of that is tufitia tehopo. So that's something yeah, that I I learned. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you learn a little bit um, of the language as you you go through. Great. But um, and she writes this beautiful chapter about each proverb, each fakatoki, and this one it's about the fear that many of us have. Um, you know that fear. Um, well, you may not have it, but I do, about being less than, less than capable, not good enough, mm. um, that impos- being an imposter. Oh, absolutely. It's and so it's, hard to dismiss, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. And actually, Hina Moore talks quite openly that she has had, still struggles with that fear, which when I look at a woman like that, I, it's hard to imagine yeah. that um, she has, but she's human, I guess. That's right. She? Maybe it's part of the condition. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. And so she gives you this really good narration around the proverb and it gives you some tools to to deal with with um, that fear. So it's really fantastic. And so then this week I've been um, looking at trees, actually, and it's been lovely to sort of notice the beauty that's on our, our planet mm-hmm. and the beauty of this land that I feel so privileged to to call this land home. Oh, you know. absolutely. Yeah, I've yeah. been appreciating them myself walking through Albert Park in the mornings, yes. you know, just having a quick look up as I walk because I know the rest of the day I'll be inside. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, well, speaking of all those beautiful trees and that beauty of Albert Park, um, I, I couldn't help it, but I looked at ne- my next week's Whakatoki oh, yeah. and it's going to be nurture the seed and it will bloom. Mm. So that's... Beautiful. Yeah. So I'll probably find myself walking through Albert Park as well <laughs> next week when I'm meditating Forest on that. Yeah. Yes. But, you know, um, there's so much fear in our world at the moment this year. Mm. I mean, everyone's saying 2020, man. And um, so these meditations, they're aimed at helping us find peace, a sense of hope and kind of a renewed vigour. And uh, I can see how effective yeah. they are they will be this is a perfect fit isn't it yeah it's per- it's just what we need mm. this year and um i ended up buying a, a copy of the book because i want to have it with me all year round and i think um it would make a great gift to yourself or to a loved one and um it also have, will have the effect, you know, when you buy something like this from your local bookshop, mm. you're supporting local businesses, local artists, local authors. Local authors, wonderful. Yeah, so it's an absolute taonga. It's a, it's a treasure to have and a perfect prescription, I guess, for a year of... How will we ever describe this year? I'm, I'm lost for words. <laughs> words fail me. Yeah. <laughs> this sounds so good. Yeah. Yeah. And there are um, lots of copies um, at the library. So, yeah, check it out at the library. If, yes. if you can't make it to the bookstore, get it from us. Yeah. 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 And when I bought it, actually, I observed a, a woman in the, the 
just ahead of me in the queue and she was buying 10 copies wow. and she said this is my Christmas list and everyone in my family is getting a copy of this. Oh, one and done. And thought, yeah. you got to love that. I know. <laughs> I thought what a great way to, to knock off your Christmas shopping. Absolutely. Yep. Yeah. Oh but that sounds so it's good. A perfect gift for others and for yourself. Yeah. Wonderful. I'm definitely going to seek that one out. Well I've also been reading um, a book by a New Zealand author and the book I've been reading this week is um, Pet and it's a short story collection by Catherine Van Beek published just this year as well in July and it's available in our adult fiction collection. So Catherine Van Beek is another one of these multi-talented wahine that we're so lucky to have in abundance mm, in Aotearoa, mm. New Zealand. Um, she's a writer and an illustrator, a playwright, an actress. She's created zines in the past. You know, the list goes on again. You know, so lucky to have so many <laughs> incredible yeah, women um, yeah. around us. And they're not just talented at one thing. They no. They can do masses. What do they call that? Polymath? Is that what they call it? Oh, that's what that word means. I think it does. Ah. I have to check that. Don't <laughs> quote me on that, especially if you're going into NCA. <laughs> yeah. Check it first. Check your references. Um, this is Van Beek's, um, Catherine Van Beek's first short story collection that's been published, but she's not new to the game at all. She's actually won many awards for her short stories over the years. So you know you're in good hands with this one. Um, this one is a collection of 17 short stories. Um, they're super, super Super readable, really short and sharp, and they're also beautifully illustrated by um, by Catherine in pen and ink um, throughout. Mm-hmm. So you have little illustrations for each story, some of them more than one. Now the name of uh, the book is Pet, and some do feature uh, feature pets and animals, so some of the stories. But we also hear about lovers and um, children, both born and unborn children, um, fans and followers, and also the fickle nature of fate and fortune. How do I like all those Fs? Mm. Oh, there. yes, yes. <laughs> it you is me, I love a, alliteration. It's kind of an F kind of year, though, isn't it? It is. Lots it's of, a year of F. Yes. yes, I think it is. Oh, well done. There are many, many funny tales in here, and some of them have a bit of that sort of shady twist in the tail in them. Some of them are actually just plain dark outright um some of the pets both animal and humans suffer some cruel fates in here so just one to one to watch there um they're really really well structured stories with completely believable worlds and characters just um you know and crystallized in each one and um for me i'm, I'm a super nosy mm. and curious person i always want to know some, everything about everyone <coughs> so for me a collection like pet is just an ideal reading experience you know this is really a time where we are so used to checking out other people's lives online mm. and um you know it all looks very good um for me great short stories are just the og literary equivalent of having a little look and then having a little lurk under the surface of those lives too so i'll just touch on two of the stories and i selected these two because they're both set in tamaki makoto auckland um the first one is called the lucky numbers and it features a gig in lee sawmill oh yeah yeah, by a band that was so hot in the 90s and Ah. now they are sort of nervously touring their new album as middle-aged rockers Mm -hmm. uh, and they're yeah that's right (laughs) we got to get out and gig right um and they're on the regional pub circuit and they're hoping for a sort of a second win comeback and a spot on a winery <laughs> tour if they can swing it. Um, yeah, a bit like last week, I got real nostalgia hit off this story. I did spend a lot of my younger years in places like the King's Arms and oh, standing yes. right next to the speakers and that's why I'm quite deaf now. Because <laughs> those are big speakers at the King's Arms. Big speakers in those places, <laughs> yeah. So um, tell you what, it was all worth it. Um, so yeah, I 
that, that band, The Lucky Numbers, really resonated for me. I could actually oh. pin it to different Auckland bands that I'd gone I and I wondered seen. if you could, yeah. Yeah, I was kind of imagining it in my head, yeah. yeah. Um, another one also set in Auckland um, was The Fishhook, and this one was set in Western Springs Park in a sort of not-so-distant future. And it followed two young women who, who have to band together or they choose to band together at a time when um, food and resources are now very scarce and society is really starting to fray badly at the edges. So some Ooh. difficult situations come up. There's a lot of resourcefulness and um, needing to respond quickly in some tough situations. Did you sort of feel as though that could be a, a spooky look at what, might actually be ahead of us. It felt like disturbingly possible. Mm, yeah. Oh there was lots of rummaging around in, um, in rubbish pits mm. and trying to sort of bartering certain types of rubbish for other types of rubbish or bartering anything for food. Um, yeah, mm. yeah. And so- social services not really being able to cope mm. with the situation. So it was, yeah, it was a little bit of an unsettling read, <clears throat> but really interesting. Now that, um, this particular book, Pet, was crowdfunded via Kickstarter. It's a nice oh. modern way to, to do it. And she also managed to um, to fund uh, another book, and that was her other new release for 2020, a picture book called Bruce Goes Outside. So again, illustrated and written by Catherine Van Beek. Um, this one is the second book based on the true story of um, Catherine's foundling kitten, Bruce, who became really famous on the interwebs. Um, she started a blog for him when she found him outside her house in Aww. Auckland. And then she took him with him and she moved out of Auckland. And, yeah, he be- got, became a global cat superstar. Mm. <laughs> Which is cats. Um, well, the internet was made for cats, really, wasn't it? Wasn't it? I'm just yes. starting to realise just how true that is this yes. year. I don't know how I managed to avoid that, but I'm now fully in um it's a real perfect 2020 read aloud for our little ones um it was written in lockdown and it's actually all about a timid cat who's mustering the courage to check out the world outside his door oh that's great very oh, sweet it sounds beautiful did you just say perf- perfect or did you or was that a mistake <laughs> it was a mistake oh, but i'm okay. gonna take that one oh, okay. thank you Alison, for spotting that <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so yeah. i would suggest you go and request bruce goes outside or the earlier one, which was called um, Bruce Finds a Home oh, and Pet yeah. um, Post Haste. But while you wait um, to get it get it in on your hold shelf, you could also check out the accompanying podcast, which is also called Pet, and where every story from the book is read by a different narrator, so you can get a little taste before you read. And that one's hosted on the website of Dunedin's Answer to Planet FM um, called OR FM, another oh. um, community access radio station. So, yeah, check those out too. Some great actors on there, including Ollie Olsen. Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, yes. And a good friend of ours, um, Kate Orgius, also. She read the one called The Lucky Numbers. So, yeah, jump in and find that one too. Oh, wonderful. That's a really good hot tip, actually. So Thank thanks you. For that. Hot tip in the middle. Yes. Excellent. Yeah, and I suspect that... Um, Catherine might come from a um, a very creative family, but I'm not. We're not sure. Yeah, really. we so were, we've been wondering whether she's related to Jackie Van Beek, who's mm. also you know an actor and a writer and a comic and a screenwriter. Yes. Yeah, multi talented again. So I I I don't know why I assume they're sisters. I couldn't find anything to confirm they were sisters mm. online, so I don't think they are. But maybe they're cousins or something. Maybe one of our listeners might be able yeah. to let us know. Tell so us, listeners. Yes, let us know if you've got the. The, the, the skinny on the velvet. Oh, yes. 
Hey, so I'm um, just completely immersed in another book at the moment, too. I'm, I'm multitasking with my reading, as <laughs> I do. And this one, oh, man, I just, it's really grabbed me. Now, it's by um, an author, an American woman called Jen Shapland, and the title is My Autobiography of Carson McCullers. Oh, love her writing. Yes, and... Um, this is a book that's it's amazing and outstanding. I'm right in the middle of it, but I, and I can't put it down. Um, and it's one of these ones that it's a biography. So it's a biography of Carson McCullers. Mm-hmm. But it's actually secretly a memoir. So it's oh. secretly a memoir of... Jen Chaplin. Jen Chaplin. Okay. So, and as I've discovered, as we were sort of talking about earlier too, this is quite a radical way of writing. Um, it's a form of um, genre bending. Yeah. Or when you read that, it looks so. You want to say genre bending? <laughs> so you could. We could call it genre. Genre. Genre bending. <laughs> um, but and you and I both like. That, we do, don't we? Because it kind of shakes up the establishment. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. Mm. But reflective as well. I love that. Yes. Yeah, reflecting back on yes. it's quite meta. It, it actually it is. Very I didn't meta. think of that. Yes. <laughs> so very twenty twenty. <laughs> but so on the surface the book's the biography of that great American writer Carson McCullers. And now she is the um was a Southern Gothic writer. She died um only not even fifty I don't think she reached fifty, mm. but she died in nineteen sixty seven. So, um, but, and um, she had an interesting life, but perhaps a very confused life, mm. confusing life. She actually married the, the same man twice. Um, oh. I know other well-known people have done that. Yes, I don't know whether it was an accident <laughs> or, yeah. Um, but, so even though she was married twice to the same man who was Reeve McCullers, she fell in love with many, many women. Mm. So I think that might have been the aspect of her life that she never quite came to terms with, right. I, I think. And um, so her, um, oh yes, and she's known for her famous, very famous book, The, the Heart is a Lonely Hunter. Mm. So now this book um, was written by Jen Shapland, who was actually working as a researcher and, and an archivist at the University of Texas in Austin. Um, she was doing her PhD at the time and she was working, had this job in the archives really to earn a little bit of money to mm-hmm. support her while she was doing her other work. But she was asked by a researcher for some papers about Carson McCullers and um, Jen actually um, had a bit of a look at some of these papers, uh, all sorts of recordings, photos, drawings, etc. Mm. And she found them really intriguing. And so she started reading them and she got drawn into the narrative of Carson McCullough's own life. Mm. So um, she took over from the other researcher, Yes, maybe. I think she kind of <laughs> took over. Yeah, so she was almost stalking the other, other researcher. <laughs> but um, I love how Jen describes her own life, because at this stage she was in her late 20s um, and she described this really resonated with me she described her 20s as a major slow-burning catastrophe um, during which she couldn't figure what couldn't figure out what came next and I thought who wouldn't relate to that <coughs> probably most of us most do. of us so that major slow-burning catastrophe I love that <laughs> so while going 
while she was going through Carson McCullough's papers, she went through a major period of, of self-discovery, basically. And um, But she demonstrated to herself this concept that while we... Um, we often know that if you're reading someone else's story, can often help you as the reader articulate something about your own life. Mm. She kind of discovered that if you're writing someone else's story, it can have the same effect. Mm. And so that's why books like this one, that um, my autobiography of Carson McCullers, they're a biography, but they're also a memoir. And um, so, and as we're saying, this sort of genre bending type of writing, there was this unwritten, or maybe it was written, a rule mm. um, for so long that if you were a biographer, you were not allowed to insert yourself into your subject. Yes. Um, but, you know, to be honest, I kind of like it when when writers do this. Yeah. I think it's, it's definitely mm. becoming much more common, isn't it? I think it is. personal, yes. personalised version. Yeah. And it, it makes um, biography sort of less dry, mm. I guess, doesn't I, doesn't I would it? agree, yeah. Yeah. And there was a um, quite a recent example of this, um, the one we have talked about it before, but The Trauma Cleaner, um, the book that's set in Melbourne. Burn, I think in, mm-hmm. in Australia, and it's um, uh, the book about the, that remarkable woman, the Australian woman Sandra Pankhurst, who she overcame these huge obstacles in her life. Um, as but she's a crime scene cleaner. That's right. But she basically helps people heal their lives through by. Uh, cleaning through their pain, mm. and um, but the biographer who wrote the book faced her was facing her own demons at the time, and she she sort of gained a lot of healing while writing about the trauma cleaner. Right, and she was kind of savaged by the critics for inserting herself into the story. Well, when I say savage, there was more of a gentle gnaw in. <laughs> yeah, she got gnawed, <laughs> but gnawed on the edges. <laughs> yes. But um, but I think this is a an example of that biography that's actually a memoir. Yeah, and, and that was such a popular book as well. So perhaps maybe the critics were wrong in that case. Perhaps there's actually a really big appetite for this sort of thing. Yes. Um, yeah, I think there probably is. I think maybe the crowd has spoken mm, about this, haven't they? I think so. Yeah. And um, I think every, practically every biography of Jim Morrison from The Doors is actually a memoir too, isn't it? <laughs> that's, that's my sweeping statement for today. Let's run with it. Yes. Hey, but um, it got me thinking, um, you know, when we uh, think about the, sort of the biography that's secretly a memoir about, I was thinking about you and about me, mm. um, who's, and so I wanted to ask you this question, um, whose biography could actually secretly be your own memoir? Mm-hmm. And so when I was thinking about it, my gut feeling for myself is, and don't laugh, but um, I think it would be Joni Mitchell for me. Oh, that's um, lovely. She's oh, amazing. But I don't really, I can't really tell you why, because my physical life has it's been completely different to to Joni Mitchell's. Like I never lived in Paris. I haven't had love affairs with <laughs> famous musicians and artists yet. Yet, yeah, that's right. I'm glad you put in yet. I wasn't sure if I was allowed to, but you know, I wasn't there for the Vietnam War protests and everything. But something about her poetry and songs 
and about her inner life resonates with my own interior mm. life. I, I'm quite immersed in her poetry, actually. So, yeah, but I wondered if you had a... Yeah, well, a biography. You put this to me sort of vaguely yesterday, and I, I'm thinking this. You did. Sorry about no, that. No, no, that's all right. Because I mean, I could have a little think about it. Um, one did pop into mind, and um, that was um, Prairie Fire, uh, Prairie Fires, <laughs> Prairie Fires: The American Dreams of Laura Ingalls Wilder by ah. Carolyn Fraser. Um, it's in our adult nonfiction collection. It's a really wonderful biography of Laura Ingalls Wilder of um, Little House on the Prairie mm. fame. And it was written in 2017. And this was a time when actually a lot was coming out um, for Laura Ingalls Wilder. There was her uh, annotated version of her autobiography called Pioneer Girl. Um, but Prairie Fires gives a real insight into the true stories behind th- that series. So if you're a fan, you should definitely grab it. Now, Again, it's hard to see the fit, but for me it resonated because Laura found her true career success much later in life than you might have expected. Um, she'd worked hard as a chicken farmer for many, many years, raising her daughter on hard scribble farms. And she was 65 when the first Little House book was published. Wow, yeah. And of course it was a raging success. Um, now I'm not putting myself into her territory, but <laughs> <laughs> I was heading on for 40 when I started working in libraries, at Auckland Library specifically, and I'm really still so thrilled to have found work that I could really thrive in, even though it came a little later in life for me. So it really brought together my sort of bookworm kid self with the person that I'd really grown into, which was somebody who loved meeting new people and and hearing about what they were passionate about and seeing if I could sort of help them get to where they wanted to go, you know, whether on a short-term or a long-term basis. So, yeah, for me, I'm going to choose Prairie Fires. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, so I could always call you Laura. Um, and <laughs> I'm Joni, by the way. Well, she was yes. also a little bit ornery, so that probably... Yes. Yeah, I can too. see it, actually. Can I you? Can. Yeah. 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 Oh, well done. Thanks for playing along with that. <laughs> <laughs> my mad game that I played. Hey, now, um, I just wanted to get onto my TBR list. So, I mean, it's there's so much material out there. But one that I um, can't wait to, to get started on is a New Zealand book, um, Remote Sympathy by the great writer Catherine Shiji. Ah, yes. So um, she's extraordinary and um, this has been published this year. Mm-hmm. We've had so much good material published this year, it's haven't we? It's unbelievable. Yeah. It's so fabulous. Yeah. It's, year. It really is. It's mm. a good thing about this year. Mm. So now this one, um, it's set in Nazi Germany um, and it's in and around the, the Buchenwald uh, concentration camp. Mm-hmm. And it's um, a very complex book, I gather, but it's essentially a cautionary tale about the perils of what they call willful obliviousness, um, mm. and which is what you saw in Nazi Germany. Um, during that time, you had ordinary citizens who were turning their backs on, on what was happening, mm. or else not even seeing what the regime was doing during the 1930s. Mm -hmm. And I think this is so relevant to the world today because there's a country across the ocean from us, quite a long way across the ocean, (laughs) but where you've got more than half the population sort of cannot and will not see what's happening Mm. right in front of them. Mm. And they're living in an echo chamber of false narratives, basically. And, you know, you've got people that actively choose not to engage with objective sources of information. Um, You know, and look what we hope it's not going to happen, but we just Mm. just don't know. But I think this is a real must-read, so I can't wait to get 
to get started. Yeah, and she's, she really knows what she's doing when she come, oh, it comes to World War Two. too. Yes, absolutely. Mm. Well, funny enough, on my uh, To Be Read list is also another World War Two book. Uh, this one is a non-fiction from a history section, and it's called Last Hope Island, Britain, Occupied Europe, and the Brotherhood that Helped Turn the Tide of War by Lynn Olson. This was published in 2017, and um, multiple people, including my dad, recommended this book to me over the last few years, mainly because it covers um, the Dutch royals' time when they were exiled in Britain during the war and trying to run the government from the UK, uh, from London. And it's got some detailed accounts of what Holland and the Netherlands was like during and after World War II, mm. which um, resonates from my family background. Yeah. yeah. So I thought I might jump into that. Good time yes. to remind ourselves of those journeys to today and how much we've got to be grateful for too. Yes. Yeah. No, that one does look um, really, really, really interesting. And because um, London, it was quite a, a haven, wasn't it, for yes. leaders from from Europe. That's well, right. That's right. It wasn't just um, Holland. It was um, So there was leaders of seven occupied countries ended up in London. Um, so the Benelux countries, so Belgium, uh, Netherlands and Luxembourg, France... Norway, Czechoslovakia and Poland. Mm. So this is going to be a fascinating read for anyone really who is interested in the European history of World War Two and yeah, what happened in that situation with leaders in exile trying to run the country, also appealing to Winston Churchill to try and get help with the situation in their own countries. Mm. Yes. Fascinating. Fascinating actually, isn't it? Mm. Yeah. That's I really would like to 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 read that. So thanks to your dad for for recommending it. To my dad and Neil the librarian who also recommended it to me three years ago and it's still on my to-be-read list, so it's got to be done. Excellent. (laughs) Well, look, thanks to everyone. Thanks to our listeners um, for tuning in today and keep reading and take care of yourselves. Um, Be kind to yourselves and others. Um, Haere rā. Ka kite anō. was brought to you by Auckland Libraries. Find us online at aucklandlibraries.govt.nz and catch the program next Sunday at 9.35pm on 104.6 FM or anytime online at planetaudio.org.nz slash books and beyond. Every day, every day, every day, every day.